Hello and welcome to the Sports Show Podcast, your bite-sized guide to enter the sports industry. And joining me, as per usual, is the scientific Ruben Williams. How are you, mate? G'day, Ryan. I'm doing well. Thank you very much. I, uh, I'm i not the most scientific person in the world. <laughs> I think I realised when uh, sport management rather than sports science was for me when I got a 3 out of 20 on a practical exam at Deakin <laughs> University. I think it was uh, human structure and function. We had to go around the room and put a label on um, all these different parts of the body and I just had no idea. And that's oh. when I was like... Oh. I think I'm quickly realizing what I'm good and what I'm not so good at. <laughs> yeah, I was horrific at that. I had a, a, I think it was a sports science unit in my sports management course mm. and uh, labeling body parts just wasn't for me. <laughs> Couldn't quite remember them that well. So I knew from that mm. point forward it was sports management it, for me. It gave me a good appreciation of that space. I can, can talk a little bit of shop, but... Um, yeah, found strength in other areas. You've got enough there to just have a, That's a, it. a simple conversation. but Enough to do things like this podcast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, very good. Well, let's get cracking because this episode has a lot of uh, sports science involved, which is very exciting. I'm Ryan Walker. He's Reuben Williams and we are two mates who met at Cricket Australia and now we help people find their own dream job through this very podcast and our online community. If you want to follow us, head over to LinkedIn or even better, if you want to connect with us and hundreds of others working in sport, jump into the SportsGrad community. And I've got a quick shout out to one of our SportsGrad community members, Ryan. His name is Clayton Henderson. He's been around for over a year. He's one of our most beloved members, arrives on every single webinar. Everyone knows his name. Mm. And uh, he's just got a brand new job at Cricket Victoria in the membership experience and sales team as one of the officers there. And that, he's found his dream job. He loves his cricket. He plays every single weekend. He's played in the UK. So for him to be involved at Cricket Victoria is an absolute dream come true. Yeah. If you want to hear about how Clayton got this job and some mm. of the tools and tactics that he implemented along the way, we actually got Clayton in for a podcast uh, a few episodes Solo back. pod. Solo pod. It was just myself and Clayton. He sat in his very seat. He sat in that seat and he asked me, Ruben, what should I write in my cover letter? What should I write in my resume? How should I interview? And I career coached him through the whole thing. So if you want to have a listen to Clayton's job hunting approach, go back to episode 183. But if you do want to find your dream job in sport and get stuck and paid to do what you love, uh, then jump into the sports grad community uh, because you can find a whole host of like-minded people and incredible jobs in sport in there. Absolutely, Rubes. A quick message from our good friends at Deakin University. Did you know that Deakin is the number one ranked sports science school in the world? So I'm surprised you got three out of 20, by the way. Yeah, I know. I think that's really a reflection on it's me. Not completely not on you, I would have thought. <laughs> at Deakin, you don't just learn about the future of sport. You can access it with state-of-the-art facilities, cutting-edge research and advanced technology at all at your fingertips. As an international leader in sports education, Deakin prepares you to shape the sports industry of tomorrow. Get the real-world experience you need to join the growing list of Deakin alumni in super exciting positions across the sports industry. So check out their website for all the information you need. Absolutely. Now, we've got one of the products of the number one sports science school in the world on the show today. Mm. His name's Sam Joseph. He's done a Bachelor of Exercise Science up in Queensland before he came to Deakin University to do a Master's of Applied Sports Science. And then a couple of the key experiences he had along the way to get to the job he is in now involved an internship at the Queensland Reds, one of the super rugby teams up north, uh, another strength and conditioning coaching role 
at the Winner Manly Seagulls. And now he works as a sports scientist at Vold, who are one of the leading health tech providers in the world. Their machines are incredible. Yeah. Uh, they get used by the likes of the EPL and the NBA. NHL. As NHL well. as well. So the, the elite of the elite clubs around the world are tapping Vold on the sh- shoulder yeah. to say, hey, give us some of your equipment. Um, so what I loved about Sam is the way that he's worked up to now consult for these NBA teams, for these EPL teams, on how they can use uh, Vold's equipment. I think his career journey is incredible. If you're in that sports science space and not sure what to do, have a listen to to Sam and the way that he's gone about getting to where he is now. Yeah, I loved how he spoke about that consulting space almost. Mm. It, was, it was very, very cool. I loved hearing about just the vital skills and experiences that you need to be a sports scientist in health tech today. You know, mm. it's far beyond what I thought it would be and – you know, he, he sort of spoke a little bit about that, but there's this whole range of different skills that you need, bits of experience on the way that all contribute to, to being in this space. So very cool to hear. Yeah, he spoke a lot about why it's important to be a generalist rather than a specialist, and you'll hear him talk more about yeah. that later. But one of the really practical things he also shared was how you can start to get that wide variety of experience if you're just in a single internship. So how to approach your manager to get more opportunities in in other areas so that you're not just pigeonholed into one spot and end up with a very specific skill set. You want to be broad. So Sam tells you how you can do that. Fantastic. Well, let's get cracking. Grab a pen. Enjoy this chat with Sam Joseph. Sam, welcome to the Sports Grab podcast. Thanks, guys. Thanks very much for having me. Sam, our pleasure, mate. Mate, I've been uh, scrolling through your, your LinkedIn profile and I've just seen all these like incredible experiences one after the other. Is there any particular one role that you were most excited to receive an offer for? Oh, mate, I think it's, um, I think at the time they're all special because you, you work so hard to get somewhere or it's the first kind of step. Um, I'm not sure there's one that really sticks out, to be honest. Like, you get, always get a bit of recency bias and you say, yeah, like, this is great. But, um, I could, yeah, but each time, like, I want to go back through it. Like, Winner Manly was a, a great first place to be. And then um, the Reds is a great placement. Uh, Vold is a phenomenal place to work for where I'm currently at. Like, the Firebird, similar kind of thing. QT Netball, same thing. So I think, I, to be fair, I don't think I could really say which one is, the best just because they all have such great memories and uh, a very integral part of kind of where I've come from and where I've got to now, I think. Well, let's let's focus on the, your current position at, at Vold where you're a sports scientist. Do you remember where you were the day that you got off of that role and, and how you reacted? Uh, well, actually, yeah, very funny story on this one. So um, uh, fortunately, actually, I'm the CEO, Laurie, who I'm, I'm good friends with, he actually knows my brother um, from various entrepreneurship things up in Queensland where, where we're based. Um, and I'd met him a few times around the place, been to a launch at Vold um, for their HQ back in like 2019, so a fair while ago. Um, and I'd met him at Ashton conferences and everything. So it was kind of like, it wasn't really one of those ones where you go through the, the standard process and apply for it like it happens you know, some other jobs. It was just one of those ones, and I think you guys have seen it all the time, where it just happened to be the right place, right time. And he was just like, mate, how would you like to come work for us? And I was like, oh. Like, I've never actually really thought about that, to be honest. Um, and then I oh, let it sit for a bit, let it sit, let it sit. And then eventually, I think it was probably around May 2020, like COVID was really starting to get a grip. And I was just kind of like, oh, 
I, I need something different here. Like uh, COVID's hitting. Like this is. I'm not sure I can do my current job for an extra one, two, three years, as it almost got close to be. Um, and so I said, look, actually, mate, yeah, I probably would like to work up here. And he goes, yeah, all right, cool. So he said, yeah, just just send me an email and tell me when you want to start, and we'll go from there. I'm like, oh, this is, this is pretty good. I like this. this is way better than interviewing all the time. Different processes. So it was literally like pick your start date and you're in. Wow. Yeah, there was a little, there was a little in between just to make sure it was all good. But um, no, I think what we've done at Vol is Laurie's really, really good at hiring good people, I think, and just knowing the right person for the job. And um, I was fortunate to be, fortunately, the person that he thought was going to fit pretty nicely. Um, and yeah, it's been a great two and a bit years so far um, and definitely been challenging in some respects, but I've learned. And that's what I wanted. I wanted to come here and learn. Um, it's been phenomenal for learning, which I think has been really, really good for me. Jeez, it's always good to be handpicked. Yeah, isn't it? You <laughs> Absolutely. Know, you, you know, someone straight in, you go, no worries. But um, no, it sounds awesome, um, Sam. So, sports scientist, what does a typical day look like for you? Oh, that's that's again a great question. I think <laughs> a typical day for me could be could be anything. Like, um, so my job particularly as a sports scientist. So what I'm what I'm paid to do is, um, so any current people to work with bowl, people looking to work with bowl. Um, I'll go out to them, help them with our systems and just help them. Whatever the question is, it might be like, hey, like what does this metric mean on force Or how do I, or as big as, like how do I implement this piece of technology within my physical performance program or in a, you know, in a more performance sport world? Or even through now that evolved, we've got a fairly decent sized grab of allied health as well. So, okay, speaking to a physiotherapist and saying, okay, they're like, well, what does this metric mean for my patients that I see three times a week with lower back pain? Um, it might be going spending 20 minutes with them explaining how to kind of position this within their healthcare plan kind of thing. So it, it really could be anything every day, which is the really cool part about it. Like some days it might just be answering, you know, 10 to 15 emails about some more technical stuff, fixing some things and then jumping on a few calls and talking about that. Or on the other hand, it might be spending the best part of a whole day um, with some people training a squat, uh, training a staff of 20 or 30 to make sure they're really confident on, on our systems um, to make sure they get the best value out of it. So it really could honestly be anything um, at any point in time. And the cool thing too is like, you know, you go into inner sanctums of these great sporting clubs um, around the world. And I'm pretty fortunate. I live and work in Australia, so I've copped most of the Eastern Seaboard. Um, and, and I haven't been to Perth, unfortunately, yet. Um, so walking into some of some great footy clubs or, or, you know, just academies of sport and seeing how they run, how they operate, speaking to all kinds of practitioners and people and just getting to, you know, more or less get paid to talk to them, which is pretty cool, I think. But who are some of the clubs around the, work, around the world that you get to talk to? Oh, oh, good question. Um, probably depends on your, on your domain here. Like I could probably ask you a sport. Um, there's been some pretty cool ones. Like I spoke to some, some NHL teams. It's been pretty fun. Um, some NBA teams. Um, a couple in the EPL as well, um, which has been pretty cool. Are you, are you allowed to say which NBA and uh, EPL teams? Unfortunately not. Unfortunately okay. Not. Um, <laughs> no, I can't say that. But um, yeah, they're, they're pretty big. They're relatively big. Um, and like you kind of speak to them and just go, actually, these are... You, you meet the regular people and they're just really mostly really good humans as well and they just want to get better at their job and that's really fun to have a conversation with someone to say and it's kind of humbling too when someone comes to you from like one of these organizations and says hey like you know a bit more about this than me can you can you tell me what this is and i just kind of yeah. go nah no way like you know way more than me there's no there's no way in hell <laughs> um but then you kind of realize and go okay you start talking about it and then it's just a matter of just helping them get to where they need to be um, and then hopefully that provides a lot of information and help for them as they as they move forward with with, with their teams and organisations. Yeah. And and for those who have never heard of Vold before, do you want to 
talk a bit about what they offer and what sort of things you're having conversations about with the EPL and NBA teams? Yeah, cool. So Vold is a, so we're a sport and health tech company. Um, so we primarily specialize in musculoskeletal assessment. Um, and we kind of rose from the Nord board, which measured hamstring strength back in 2014, 15, 16. And since then we've branched out into force plates with force decks, uh, handheld dynamometry with dynamo. We even do uh, movement tracking with human track and force decks vision now. So we've got a fairly broad range of, of movements, but our underlying premise is bringing lab-based technology to the field. So typically taking stuff that would take 6, 12, 24 hours or up to 6 weeks with four sex case previously, you can do a test, have the information inside 30 seconds. So you can go back to your physio room, your, your gym or whatever it is, and then understand exactly what you need to do. And generally it'll confirm what you already know, but it just helps engage who you're training a lot better. And it provides you know, definition, definite information to say, hey, that's exactly what's happening. Now I'm going to go ahead and do this as well. So we started primarily in professional sport um, and we still are heavily linked with sport. Like we do it uh, pretty much every day. Um, but now we've got a bit more of a focus as well towards the allied health market because this stuff, as you guys would know, like I'm sure everyone's had a sore lower back and we don't know why it's hurting. Um, athletes every day know exactly what they get done. They know their body pretty well, whereas general people like you and me, we, we don't. So the more we can understand and learn, um, the better. So that's pretty much what Vol does, and we're an Australian company based in Brisbane, um, but we have offices around the world, and we're starting to get fairly large as well. Nice. When, when you say uh, Nord board, I, yeah. uh, I get nervous because <laughs> in my footy career, I was always told to do Nordics at the end of yeah. training, uh, do your three sets of 10, uh, I always used to maybe just give them a miss and I think that's why I keep doing hamstrings. <laughs> that's why I'm no longer playing. Yeah, that's why I don't play anymore. But um, interesting question. Do you, do you work with individual athletes as well as practitioners or is it very much for, you know, your sports science team to go and implement? Yeah, like we, like we try and take the position of like we're here to help, work we don't want to take. Because I know initially people kind of went, oh, like we don't whether don't know whether we want this kind of technology in, but it became a piece for us to say, hey, like we're not here to take anyone's job. We're here to help you out and make sure that you guys look good and you're doing your job really, really well. So we're probably not directly with athletes. Like we may come in and help with a testing session just to make sure everything runs well or yeah. provide some, you know, expert insight. That's like, hey, I've got this result. What do you think it means? Can you confirm for me? Um, so yeah, we're probably not hands-on with athletes too much. Like we'll definitely, if we're in the gym with them, we'll, we'll say good day, have a chat to them, um, which is pretty cool, pretty fun. Um, but yeah, not too much like hands-on with athletes because usually most places that have our stuff, they're the ones that are doing it and mm. we're just there to make their life easier. So you kind of like provide the technology and then act as consultants to help them get the most out of it. Pretty much, yeah, pretty much. Awesome, nice. Very cool. Did you expect to be doing this when you're going through uni? Absolutely not. Uh, <laughs> absolutely not. Uh, first year, me at uni is going, what's, what, is a, what is a cell and how can I deal with it? Um, <laughs> but no, I, I, it just speaks to the cool version of the world and you guys would have seen that in your careers as well as you've seen. Like, um, sport opens up such a great deal of doors for you and it's just a, the most different industry I think is around because the opportunities you get and the fact that you can, in most jobs, get paid to watch sport is an absolute joke, and that's so good. Um, I love that. It's an absolute joke <laughs> that we get paid to watch sport. Yeah, I mean, if you told if you told me that in grade two, I'd be like, yeah, absolutely, sign me up, and that's exactly what happened. Um, but yeah, I, I think looking back at uni, I, I don't think you can kind of really map out as to what's going to happen, um, particularly in a COVID world. But the 
like the fact you can be as close to these people we see on every we see on TV every day and go these guys are superstars um, or like so good at controlling their body or playing their sport um, is really really cool. Well, let's dive into how you got to this cool role that you're in now because it sounded like getting this particular job, you, you had it a bit your way and had the connection in, but going way back at the start, you didn't have it your way at all. Do you want to tell us some of the steps that you took to get to where you are? No, nah, no way. I, I kind of feel like it was, uh, yeah, like just getting battered by the by the, uh, the baseball bat at the piñata um, for a <laughs> while there. Um, but no, so I, I was at uni. Again, like, I don't think I stood out uni-wise. Like, I worked really hard, but, but I just it wasn't really kind of getting there. Um, and I know when it came internships and that kind of stuff and prac placements, and that's probably as an SNC coach primarily, I probably consider myself as, um, that's kind of where you land from. Um, and I know when I first, because uh, we had to pick our placements, kind of we had to email the people, say, hey, can I come in for a chat? Can I interview kind of thing? And then hopefully get the placement. Um, I got one with the Queensland Reds, which was sick. I was stoked with that. Um, and then, but being growing up in Brisbane, the, 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 the club that everyone loves is the Broncos. And as a Loved them since I was four or five. Like, I thought that'd be awesome to work there one day. Um, reached out, and whether I got the wrong email or not, I'm sure just never heard anything back. Um, so always wanted to work cricket as well. Same kind of thing. Probably got the wrong email, but just heard nothing. Um, and then I'm like, oh, well, I've got the Reds. That's pretty cool. And then sure enough, I signed off on the Reds. It was locked in. Had a start date. Um, for the for the placement, and then suddenly the Broncos released internships. I'm just like, oh, you are. Oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> Timing. Yeah, t- timing. Um, so there was that. Like Again, in the end, though, great thing for me. At the Reds, like, I had a phenomenal internship, did a lot of hands-on stuff, which I needed because um, I didn't really know that much back then um, as well. But then, of course, finished uni, and then at the Reds, like, I had a phenomenal internship, loved it, um, thought I did pretty well, but there was just no gigs at the end of it. And then other people got gigs straight out of uni, and I was just kind of like, okay, like, this kind of sucks kind of thing. And then there's just been, you know, you kind of see people around you kind of start accelerating through and then making through the ranks. And it, I suppose it's, it's a meritorious industry in some ways, but you know, you, you really have to be in the right place at the right time and know the right people um, as well. And you do that through a variety of means. Um, but it, just, it wasn't falling for me. Uh, missed out on a fair few in that first year out. Eventually got on to St. Edmunds, which was great. But again, I knew that person through St. Edmunds, uh, through, sorry, uh, the Reds, which again, shows that the network and who you know is, is huge. Um, but yeah, so I know like I've applied for, like I'd hate to look at how many jobs I applied for in that first nine months out of university. Um, it'd be a lot. And I swear, I, I swear, if I wasn't working as a PT or eating or sleeping, I was genuinely just on the computer writing cover letters kind of thing. And I suppose it, it, knocks, it knocks you down like every time you get no reply or no, sorry, you haven't got this job kind of thing. It's just like, yeah, it's pretty tough. Um, but it definitely makes you appreciate when you do happen to land one, okay, this is, this is awesome and you, you really try and work hard because, you know, you had to work so hard for it. How many do you reckon you, how many cover letters do you reckon you wrote in those nine months? Oh, it would have been upwards of 40, I think. Um, wow. Well, yeah. It would have been a lot, yeah. And of course, back then you customise everything. So you, and you spend a couple of hours on each one and then you got to check, like, hey, who am I writing this to? And, yeah, like good mistakes to learn, but geez, I would have learned, I wish I learned that mistake a lot earlier. <laughs> and how to write a cover letter. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's a that's some number, forty yeah. cover letters. Particularly yeah. if you're customising them too. Yeah. Like we hear of some students who write hundreds, but they're literally just copy paste jobs every single time. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I think there's a there's the balance in that too. Like you learn, okay, some jobs have similar things, so you kind of go, well, all right, that's I don't need to change too much of that. 
But um, it is definitely a skill right in the right cover letter. Uh, I think, again, it depends on what industry you kind of work with in sport and how much they get read. Um, but, you know, when you realise, too, like later on down the track that whoever gets the gig is probably the one who's just been there or the person the person knows, you almost realise, like, why am I even writing this thing? Like, someone already knows. Um, but an essential thing to know when you're going through it, it definitely does help when you know how to write them a bit easier. Totally. Um, let's delve back into your, your role a little bit more. Um, I've known plenty of people who do exercise sports science courses. We know Deacon absolutely dominates in that area, but can you understand what are some of those essential skills and experiences you need to, to pretty much ace your job? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good one. I think, I think Steve Moore said this on a, a few podcasts ago and he said that you need to be a generalist now, I think. Um, and I, I firmly agree with that. Um, I don't really think that you can kind of survive just doing one thing anymore just because of after COVID, like, you know, as soft caps reduced in, well, particularly in AFL, NRL, union struggled, uh, everyone, so you kind of get one person doing a few different jobs. Um, so I think the more skills you can kind of offer, yes, you might specialise later on when you're down the track and that's fine, that's what the role requires, but I think you've got to handle on everything at least well enough to, to work as one. Maybe not excel as the top one because you can't be the best at everything, but the fact that you can be a generalist and understand. So someone comes to me as a sports scientist for, for Vold and says, hey, um, I'm doing this program in a the gym. They've got this concern. Um, what metrics should I look at on my force plates? I can give them nine minutes and say, coach, I can go, yeah, cool, that makes sense. More than I might get a question about, say, hey, um, do you think this GPS metric and this high speed metric relates to this on, on the North Board or whatever it is? I think the fact that you've kind of got a, a different handle of each thing, like whether it's GPS, pure sports science, S&T, um, everything kind of within that, you can then provide better information and then get a better result, I think. So I think now it's, you've got to have an ability to go across multiple disciplines. You don't have to be the best. You don't have to be the best person. Like I will be the first to admit, like I don't know R and Python and the data science side of where sports science is going. Like I, I can't, I haven't done it. I, I don't know much about it, but I'm sure if someone came to me and said, hey, I found this from my analysis, what do you think? Can you interpret for me? I can probably do that. Um, so I think with the young kids coming through in your second, third, first, second year out, it's worth having a few experiences if you can. So like you might love S&C and that's absolutely fine. Like I, I love it too, but you've got to make sure you understand how GPS works, what we use the numbers for, because there's probably going to be a time where in your career where you're going to get faced with this and if you can just go look at it and go, yep, cool, I know that. Sweet, handboard, handboard or use the information well enough. Um, but if you look at it and just go, oh, uh, I don't really know what to do with that, then you've got to chase and tail for a bit and you'll learn it eventually, but I think it'll cost mm. you time and you could have been so efficient. You could have just gone, yep, sweet, that should have taken two minutes. Now it's taken you two days to catch up on and you lack a bit of practical experience. So I think the ability to kind of be across everything and experience everything, you don't have to do everything and everything everywhere, but you have to kind of challenge yourself with a few ones. You may not like it. Like I know I tried some performance analysis stuff. I hated it. I didn't really enjoy it. Um, but I now know it and I know enough of it to kind of appreciate the role and see how it's useful and then appreciate the information coming out of it too, I think. So I think it's really important to give everything a crack, see how it is, and you may not like it, that's fine, you don't have to. Um, it's your career, you do what you want, but you need to at least appreciate it um, as well. And again, you know, I don't think you have to be the smartest person in the world, but just understand enough, push yourself enough, and you'll probably get there okay with enough understanding, and then you can start to really push which area you want to go to, I think. But yeah, you've you got to be flexible, you've got to be malleable, and if you're not, you're probably going to have a real tough time trying to get into the sport. 
that's right. XL isn't my strong suit either. So I think I'd struggle in a, an analyst role <laughs> as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's been a long time in XL, and I can tell you what, there's a lot better programs than that. So <laughs> you, you've got, you got to, you got to know it. You got to know it. Yeah. It's like we think Excel's like the most crazy thing in the world. <laughs> <laughs> Sam's probably using a little bit, you know, a few more things, more technical yeah. programming than that. Exactly right. Um, and for those who are wondering about Steve Moore, he's from the Carlton Footy Club, strength and conditioning coach. Uh, if you want to listen to him talking about generalist versus specialist, he's in episode 163. Um, but for, uh, for you, Sam, for those who are thinking about trying to get a broad range of experiences, can you do this within one internship or how would you go about getting multiple internships if that's the case that you need to do? Yeah, I think at the right spot, you can probably get a fair few things. Um, so like if you went to a fast footy club, probably a pretty good AFL does it quite well because they have quite a broad high performance um, team within most of the clubs um, I think you get most of the understanding there um, but I'd always recommend doing a few different ones because then you get context um, of what's happening there so you might go to a footy club and they might be the absolute best in the world at everything and they've got the best S&Cs best sports science best physios best dietitians best medics whatever it is um, and then you understand that and then you go all right cool but I know that that's always easy. Your first job, and then you go somewhere else and go. Actually, this is deplorable. Like they're not doing it this way, not doing it this way, and you kind of and you're kind of stuck in this one little um, microcosm of what it was like there. And I think that's a dangerous game by saying, "Hey, we did this here." Doesn't always matter. Saying it's it's going to be the best thing for here as well because different people, different contexts, different players, different maybe in different sport. So I think it's definitely worth if you can do a couple and you've got the re, re, uh, ability to. Go and do it because you know you might even go. You don't have to pick a good club and a bad club. That's that's hard. Like they might be the best on field, but terrible back end and vice versa. Um, it's definitely worth doing a couple because then you get some context. But I know at the Reds, I found that like what we were doing was really good, but the club was struggling at the time. Like money was tight, so we were doing it shoestring wise. Whereas other clubs that I've seen, they've got all the resources in the world, but they just go because they've got too many resources. They have no no person running them um, as well. So I would re- recommend if you can do a couple, definitely do a couple. And I think the way to do that as well, same way you got one, just reach out and say, hey, like have a bit of a plan. Cool, I'm doing. I'm spending time at the Western Bulldogs for the next six months. Um, maybe try and tee it up in a different sport with maybe uh, you might go to the Victory, or if you're in Sydney, you might go to the Swans and then go to um, you know Western Sydney, something like that. Um, or even then again then try and apply it as well. So it's all well, and, all well and good to learn it and see it as your internship. It's then about applying it later on because ultimately that's what you're trying to aim to. Um, so once you've learned a bit of it, try and find a kit and find a job at a semi-pro club or wherever it is, then apply and then you go, oh, actually, I now know why that didn't work here. And it wasn't because the person didn't know that you're under or the person you're working with didn't, didn't get it. It was because this happened or the players hated it or the coach sucked or whatever it was. Um, and by getting that context and understanding, then that helps you shape and go, all right, well, I'm in this situation now. I can use this mechanism. I can use this strategy. And it'll probably work out this way as well. And then you've really become that practitioner. And I think that goes across any field, really, regardless of industry. You've got these different opinions and, and experiences. You can then start molding what you need to do when you've seen things before. And this problem you're faced with coming into a new club, knowing no one, or you're in a different country, or whatever it is, you can go, oh, actually, I've got experience here, here, and here. I can do that. Now I might need to get some help from, from here as well. So I think, um, yeah, definitely get as many as you can before you have, you know, you don't want to do 50,000 and go, oh, well, you're a professional student. Um, you know, have a couple, start applying. And when you're applying it, you'll start to really think, okay, I'm, I'm pretty happy with this now. I'll back myself in to do most jobs around the place. Probably a, a cultural thing as well, right? Like, you know, oh, if yeah. you go to two or three 
different sporting clubs. You get to see the culture of each one. It means, you know, mm. when you do lock something in full time, you're not in shock when it's, a, you know, it's different to the places you've done, like your one internship. Mm. Good to see how it all happens so that you're not in shock. Yeah. Nothing surprises you. You've seen it all before. If you can take a well-rounded view of the world into any job, I think you're going to be in a, a much better place. Yeah. Um, I think that's yeah. also why, um, you know, you don't always have to have like five internships all in sport to then get into sport. You know, there's lots of mm. different things that you can do out there that give you experience so that when you do jump into sport, you've got a different perspective. Yeah. So this is another thing to add. Sam, what about... Um, uh, if you're in one particular internship and you wanted to dive into another area, say you're in strength conditioning, but you've got interest in nutrition and you want to spend some time there, have you ever had to ask for opportunities in another area? And uh, if so, how would you go about it? That's a, that's a, that's a really good one, actually. Um, I personally haven't. Um, I've been fairly... I'm not straight now with what I kind of wanted to do. I've always kind of had a pretty good understanding. But... Um, I think it's just worth doing a bit of research yourself and understanding, okay, like, yep, you see nutrition being done at the footy club or whatever it is or at the, wherever you are. Like, I don't think it's worth just, like, you probably get more information firstly if you just do a bit of research yourself, see what the actual field entails. So a quick Google search will tell you enough, I would think. Um, read a couple of papers, that kind of thing, and just maybe everyone's got videos online of what their nutritionists, psychologist, dietitian does, um, or whatever it is. Do a bit of research yourself, and then if you still like it, like you might find you go, actually, no, I'm off this. Um, that was me in sports psychology. I thought that was it in first year of uni. Did a bit of, did psychology, first year psychology, and went, no, nah, this, is, this is not it. I'm, I'm not here. Um, like, do a bit of research yourself, see it, and if you still want to look at it, then go reach out to someone that you may know or you may not know, and then same kind of thing. Hey, look, I'm a so-and-so, I do this here. Um, really interested in nutrition, can I buy you a coffee and have a chat about it as well? Now, I don't drink coffee, so I've burnt myself a few times saying, hey, actually, I don't drink coffee, I have a Coke Zero <laughs> here and I'll get you a coffee. Um, but then, you know, offer them a coffee so that, you know, they get a coffee as well, so they're gonna, probably not going to say no to that. Mm. Make it work on their time, go to the effort, turn up on time, and then just have some questions prepared to say, hey, like, what does it look like for you? And if you have some more direct questions, you'll probably generally find out what you want to do because if you go in completely blind you go oh yeah what is your day like and then it's like well what do you want to know but if you can say hey I've actually I've watched this I've seen this I've seen this how do you go with this situation or like do you see this a lot and then you can ask a more detailed question then you actually truly understand okay this may or may not be for me depending on the outcome of those answers but yeah that's probably the way I'd approach it I think and that would work I think across most disciplines but the more you can do by yourself when you come in with a higher bar yourself you can hit the ground running a bit faster, be a bit more useful a bit faster, along with, all right, I tried, didn't like it, cool, I now know, happy with that. Mm. Yeah, that's great. I think the more specific you can be, the easier you make it for the other person to, to get something out of it too. And we um, to try and help with that, we created this little cheat sheet template called the Networker, which we give to all our members so they can like print it out and literally write down, essentially, why am I here? What's the other person doing? What can they get out of this conversation? What do I want out of it? And then they can lead a productive coffee off the back of that template that they've created for themselves. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I think, you know, it's, it's kind of like you're not going to be the, the, the grade 10, grade 11 kid coming in on work placement. Like, you know, you're the university educated person that's actually got a pretty good idea of what they're doing. They just need a little bit of guidance to kind of see where they want to go. Mm. How, how's we like, does everybody says, oh, we'll get a coffee. It's like, well, 
that's just one drink. <laughs> it should be, do you want to go grab a drink? <laughs> but then it's like, oh, we assume it's an alcoholic drink. <laughs> it's tough out you might there. You for... a bit faster there, possibly. Yeah, um, it's but... tough around non-coffee drinkers out there, isn't it? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Let's catch up. Might be the phrasing there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Good, good point. Yeah. yeah. Um, speaking of people who have guided you or guiding people in general, um, who are some of the people that have helped you along your journey? Um, yeah, probably had a, like, I have and I haven't in some ways. So I think a lot, particularly in SMC realm, like you'll find a lot of people that have this mentor that they've been with a long time. I probably don't consider myself to have that person per se, um, in mind. Um, I probably had a bit of a different route, route to it. So I know back in high school, like, and again, like I was a terrible athlete, don't get me wrong, like I was going nowhere. Um, but in primarily the contact sports that I played, I was the biggest kid growing up so I kind of attached my self-worth to um, how well I did in sport and then so come grade 11 grade 12 last couple of years of high school I was reasonably smart I wasn't wasn't killing it though by any stretch of the means um, had some injuries and then like, I was just playing P I was in P one day playing European handball shoulder dislocated again for what was like the 30,000th time I forget how many um, had to stop and my P teacher was just like mate you, you can't keep doing this you need to need to have a think about like, what's actually happening here. Um, and he had previously been through injury stuff himself. Again, a way better athlete than me, but that just helped really helped me dissociate what I was trying to do and my self-worth. So I guess I attached everything to, if I played cricket well on the weekend, I came to school the next day, like I was on it. Same thing for footy or whatever it was. But he told me that, hey, there's, there's more to life than this. And particularly coming to university when you have this massive culture shock, a massive life shock about everything's different. You know, the very, very small fish in the massive world, what, uh, massive world there is. Um, you get this now. And I think that helped. It took me a, a long time to get it. And I'm, to be honest, I'm still going through that, making sure that I'm not tying myself to whatever I'm doing day to day. Like, you're, you're a person first and what you do in work is, is second, uh, definitely. Um, so that was probably the big one for mine. I looked to him a fair bit in my grade 11 and 12 years to understand that, okay, it's not all about that. Like, you've got to have other things to it. So that was really like my first probably experience, like that mental relationship type thing. Um, and then since then, I suppose I have a lot of people that I know that I can ask a question of just because, you know, and I try and, you know, I'd rather be a mate with them first. Like, I, I trust the mate. Um, I don't go to people and say, hey, I, I really want to form a... Um, not a secretive relationship in terms of like, I want understanding, but it's more just like, I don't want to use you for what you know. Like, mm. I would rather be your mate first and go, if I can be a mate with them, I'm probably going to trust them with your opinions or at least I understand where they're coming from. Or if I just randomly say, hey, um, certain person, a certain job, what do you think here? One, they have no context of me. If they're my mate, they probably do have it and they can understand. I think, you know, if they can give you advice, then it's genuinely warranted advice um, as well. So I'm pretty fortunate now. I've got a a fair few people that I know quite well personally. Um, I know who they are. I can have a drink with them. I can have a beer with them. Um, have a coffee with them if they want to drink coffee. Um, I can and just have a chat and say, hey, I've got this problem. What do you think um, as well? So additionally too, I think that's really given me as well a bit of context. Like I'm not going to the same person for, for everything. So one, probably the way I think, but I'm not going to drain them for all their information if they're you know, above me. But you know, I think I get different perspectives as well because different people do in different places. And ultimately people only have one career in terms of what they do when they start working, when they stop working. So they're only going to have so many experiences, but different people, different things. Um, so yeah, I personally haven't told myself to a mentor for that very reason. Um, and because, like, again, I, I kind of work it like how I want you to be my mate. Not, not that you can't tell me the, the hard truth, but 
like I want to be able to chat with you generally. Like, you know, you can only talk work for so long. I want to talk about the footy or like what you, you know, how crazy your dog is when it runs around the house or something like that, or whatever <laughs> it is. Um, but yeah, so I haven't really had too many mentors in that regard, but definitely got a few like that PE teacher back then. Um, Mr. Bennett, if you're watching, I probably doubt it. Uh, he's probably having a good time <laughs> teaching kids now. But um, yeah, like, I know Laurie at, at Bold is as CEO. It's great to bounce some things off from a different perspective um, coming into sport from from being a lawyer as well and a couple of guys um, that I've spoken to a fair bit. But yeah, no real massive mentors. Um, but that's just kind of my perspective on how I've looked at it mm. in a way. Yeah, I think there's so much good stuff in that. I think that yeah. lesson of detaching your self-worth from your sporting results on the weekend is a very good lesson learned very early on in life because, uh, Ryan, you're probably similar to me. You'd rock up on a Monday at school after you just oh. made 50 in the under-15s or whatever you had to retire at 50. Shoulders and you'd, high. You'd, you'd be oh. feeling so good about yourself. Yeah. And then any week that you get out for a duck, you just lay low. You wouldn't want to go to school. No, exactly right. <laughs> yeah, I've been there so many times. Even if we can work through, like, you know, if you have a bad session with coaching or something happens, then you kind of go, then you keep the cap for the next three days and you just kind of go, oh, it's, it's one bad session. Mm. The athletes probably won't remember it tomorrow. Like, yeah, it's been huge, man. I still have to tell myself today, like, I was like hey, that was, that was bad. People make mistakes. Yeah. You can't be perfect. And unfortunately, in sport, uh, one of the bad parts is you're generally up early and up late. And um, that doesn't bode well for being 100% all the time. Mm. So it, it's going to happen. You just got to make sure you can kind of mitigate and just go, all right, hey, I messed up. Let's, let's fix it for me. Yeah. And I love your approach to finding mentors or people who can help you too, like having that sort of board of directors you can turn to for, for like different teams. Exactly. Yeah, you got yeah. a team behind you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do, you, do you recall any specific advice from any one of them? Oh, yeah, the, the PE teacher one's probably the best one there. Oh, yeah, I'm going to say, like, there's certain things you kind of, I think it's, you've probably been told enough over a certain period of time, like, when you're first, second year in, you probably get some advice, bits of advice, you kind of go, oh, yeah, like, that's good, I'm going to hold that forever. But then you get a couple of different ones along the way, and then you get a certain situation, you go, oh, that's right, that person said that, and you kind of, like, oh, yeah, that's okay. Um, but, yeah, well, that's, a, that's a really good one. I think, yeah, detaching yourself worth is important and understanding what you're about, I think, is probably, yeah. probably the best one. Um, and one that I heard a lot early on at the Reds was just more just like, hey, like, this is just, like, whilst this is important and people get paid off this, like, it's really, you know, you're not going to do this forever. And the most important things are what's at home and, you know, how you're living, like, your family, that kind of stuff, relationships. Like, they're the ones that are going to be there for the rest of it. Like, you might have four years in sport, you might have 30, you might have 50. It is what it is. But, you know, if you, if you go home and you're a terrible human, then, then that's not going to work. But I think they're probably like the biggest two that have rung true to me. Um, but, yeah, there's not too much more, I think, that I can really pull out every time and be confident and say, yeah, this is what I kind of live mm. by. Yeah. I think it's a good message to people out there who are thinking, oh, you know, I need a mentor or I need one person that I can always bounce off. Like take a leaf out of Sam's book there and have sort of a few people that you can go to for a few different things. Mm. It doesn't need to be an official mentor. Mm. Um, have a bit of a team behind you. And it's, it's a big of. ask to expect one person to be the answer of all your questions. So. Yeah, and it's one person as well. <laughs> one person's opinion at the same time. Mm. Get a few there. Might be quite good. Um, Sam... People work in sport for a variety of different reasons. Uh, you know, they could love it. They got pushed into it. They just somehow found their way into it. Who knows? But um, can you understand sort of why the sports industry for you? Yeah, um, I think mean, it's probably the classic, like, I went through primary school loving sport. Like, was reasonably okay at academics. Like, probably by the end of grade 10, 
like I was probably trending towards like I probably should have gone the engineering route kind of thing with the maths, chem, physics kind of stuff. But I just found like it just it just wasn't for me. Like the idea of like yes, they are very very important jobs and they can be somewhat glamorous in some ways with the with the pay packets and whatnot. But I just saw it and I was like that's that's not me. I, I don't want to be sitting there responding to emails every day and being on the work on the work site. And I definitely given my my skills of tools, I was never going to be a tradie. Um, I just would have been terrible and the houses I built would have been absolutely terrible. So I couldn't put that on anyone. Um, but no, sport was always my passion. I just love it. And the fact that you could get paid to be involved with a sports team, I just thought that's, that's got to be it. Like that has to be what I'm, what I'm going to do. Um, and so that was pretty much from there. And then I, I was pretty fortunate in that regard. Like pretty much by grade seven, I kind of knew what I was doing. I had like a, I had a grade seven assignment about like what you want to be when you grow up. And I'm just like, yeah, I'm going to be a, a sports scientist. And I made up some salary range that and put it like some nice bond, uh, border art around the side, which looked pretty cool um, <laughs> back at the time. But yeah, I, and then I pretty much stuck to it throughout grade 10, 11, 12. And then hit where it was kind of going to be was probably the hard part. I probably started at like maybe sports biomech, possibly biomechanist. Um, and then sports psych, I talked about before, I was kind of like in that realm. And then I did my first semester at uni and just went, nah, that's probably not it. And then did, when I did my prac at the Reds, um, being exposed to a lot of this, the different subdisciplines of it, um, yeah, well, I thought SNC did. Like that's that's um, that's where I want to be because you get you know you get a you do more sessions with the athletes and the coaches do. Like you're with them all the time. Like you become friends with them. Of course, you're there to coach them first, but you know you, you get to know them pretty well. Um, and realistically, I think to silo all the you know your your GPS stuff, your SNC, your physio, like that that'd be wrong. It works together. Um, and you get a pretty good glimpse of it all together as well. So I think, yeah, when that, I'm like, yeah, that's, that's athletic performance coach is probably the best descriptor of it, I think, because um, it all fits together. Like you're all contributing to performance of the team or the individual, like that's what you're going towards. And if it's not doing that way, then you're wasting your time. Um, so yeah, that, that was pretty much it for me. And then, yeah, after seeing a lot of my other mates doing engineering and that kind of stuff and seeing them suffer through it and that kind of stuff, I'm like, hey, what'd you do today? Oh, went to footy. It was pretty good. Like we won by 30. Like. I couldn't argue. I'm like, no. Like, yeah, it's worth the early mornings. It's worth the uplates. It's worth the, the trauma of a loss. Um, because, yeah, it's just so fun. Like, it's genuinely great. If you couldn't do what you love, what else do you think you'd be doing? Oh, not building houses too much. <laughs> I fear if I was building a house too, to be honest. <laughs> my dad just told me like yeah can you pass me that hammer and I'm just like I looked at it and just went like everything's a hammer like, I don't know what you mean like, no, like, a banner and a wrench but like everything can hit things like I don't know what you're on about <laughs> oh god we were meant for one thing yeah sport yeah. that's it <laughs> going to the footy <laughs> yeah yeah oh so good um Sam, we love this question on the podcast. Uh, If you've listened to a few before, you may have heard it before, but we do love it. Um, And that is, if you could leave a note on a table in a university library for a student to find, uh, what would it say? Uh, I think it's just just say thanks and just be a good human. Um, Because ultimately, you guys can see it every day, like the job job ads that go up all the time. And this is, I suppose, somewhat selfish towards your career, but you have to be in some ways. But everyone lists, we want a good person that fits in their team culture. Like, and whether that's lip service or not, like it could, it could just be, or it could be genuine. Who knows? Yeah. Um, but I think no one remembers, like people remember programs you give them, but they remember how you made them feel. Um, and whilst you could be, you know, a hard coach, but 
you made them, you, you know, you're a good person and you, you know, you're genuinely like, when you push them, that's fine, it's part of what you do. But if they remember you as a good person and you made them feel good and they got something out of that coach-player or coach-coach relation, whatever it is, like, they'll go, oh yeah, cool, no, they're a good person and they'll recommend them. Same thing for, for, for jobs as well. Like, whilst, you know, I know myself, I wasn't the greatest, it took me a long time to pick stuff up. Like, it took me a, a, a significant period of time. Um, but I hope I would hope I speak to them and say I still speak to them because they say hey like you're a good guy I could go for a drink with you kind of thing. Um, I think if you could remember that particularly as a uni student and say thanks for an opportunity and there's going to be times where you say no like I oh, know I struggle for a bit with like hey I've got to do everything and then you can say uh, thanks but no thanks I appreciate the effort kind of thing and appreciate the opportunity. Um, but you know if, if you're at very least a good person you've ticked one box of the of the job application and you can hold your head up and say and say okay cool it came down to that person just being better at their job, which ultimately probably should be how we're picking people. Like, they're just better at what they do. Jeez, all right, I've got to aim up for that. But, you know, if they're picking it because they're a better person than me, like, well, all right, well, that's stuff we can do. Like, we can be on time. We can say thanks. We can be, we can be, we can be gracious. And I don't think that's very hard and as well, like, you know. And I think people too, like, when you develop rapport with people, you know, if they know you're a good person and they have, and you have their best interest at heart and you're genuinely a nice guy, they're going to listen to the hard information a bit better and they're going to go, oh, actually, they told me that, or this has been said, I probably should go and do it. Whether they do it or not, different story, that's on them. But, you know, they at least remember that when you're telling them the hard stuff, which has to happen occasionally um, as well. But I think if you can remember that as a uni student, it'll probably take you a fair way. Love it. Just say thanks. You can't always control what happens to you, but you can always control how you respond. Mm. Absolutely. Fantastic. Well, Sam, it is, uh, it's been great chatting, mate, and we really appreciate your time jumping on the podcast, just hearing about... Your job as a sports scientist, it's, it's ultra interesting. Uh, I feel like I'd love to do what you do in another life. Uh, <laughs> it's super cool. Uh, and just hearing about your, your, your journey to get to where you are. <coughs> you are. There goes my voice. Uh, your journey to get to where you are. And then some of that advice at the end is just super helpful for our listeners. So thanks again for jumping on, mate, and uh, all the best. No, thanks, guys. Appreciate taking the time and I uh, love what you guys are doing. Awesome. Well, Ruse, what a great episode. Sam is an absolute jet. Uh, he knows his stuff. Mm. Great to hear all the work that he's doing at Vold. Wow. Very cool. Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the big things I loved about Sam is that he has got this team behind him that he can get feedback mm. off, that he can ask advice of, as opposed to having a single mentor. And it's, as we said, it's a lot of expectation to put on a single person to be your mentor for every aspect of your life. <laughs> yeah. And so I love Sam's approach of having certain people in certain areas that he turns to with specific questions because he knows they are the best person for each of those areas. So uh, I'm going to be looking to build out my team after getting inspiration from Sam. It's a very cool concept. Uh, I think we should chat about it further offline. Mm. But uh one thing I, I mean, it's very, very basic here, and I think everybody would love to be this. But he, did, what he said around is being a good human. To be honest, people are hiring people who are, are good people, mm. um, and if you can do all those things right, be kind, say thank you, you know, be grateful for opportunities as they come to you. That's what people are looking for. So mm. just be a great human. Opportunities will come your way. I loved his practical implication on how to do that. Just say thanks at any opportunity. 
So good. <laughs> but very easy advice. Just say thank you. Yeah, jobs will come. Absolutely. Uh, my final takeaway was aim to be a generalist. As he said, with the way that the sports industry is structured at the moment, you have to be able to work across multiple disciplines because sporting organisations just haven't got the same funding that they used to to provide a specialist in every single area. But the other thing that it helps you with too is just having an appreciation or different areas. So if you do have to work with a psychologist or a nutritionist or a strength and conditioning coach, whoever it might be, you've got an appreciation and can speak their language when you're trying to help these athletes. So aim to be a generalist. Fantastic. Rubes, uh, any other apps around the sports science space that you'd recommend? Yeah, well, we touched on Steve Moore from the Carlton Football Club on how to be a strength and conditioning coach in an AFL club. Uh, he's episode 163. He's a phenomenal Guest, I'd highly recommend listening Great to episode. them. Uh, another one is Jacob Toba in episode 173. Uh, he is now building his own app that measures the velocity at which you lift weights uh, and also is a head strength and conditioning coach over at uh, – where's the place that he works here? VBT? No, not VBT. Core Advantage. It's just escaped me for a second. Great save Core. there. You've done well. <laughs> He's over at Core Advantage. Um so 173 for Jacob. He was the poster boy of Deakin University when, he, when I arrived to study. So check out Jacob. Yeah, the poster boy. You did well there. Your mind was ticking over. I could see you thinking. That's <laughs> uh, very good. We got there. Fantastic. Well, connect with us on LinkedIn. Plus, be sure to jump into the SportsGrad community. We'd love to chat with you on there. Head to our website at sportsgrad.com.au slash community to join or head to the link in our show notes. Also, if you love the show, we would love for you to rate the show five stars wherever you listen to your podcast. Subscribe on Apple or follow on Spotify. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.